In this house part three, we've done three, uh, two weeks, this is the third week, the final one. We had a new year, a new home. Uh, we wanted to start 2017 with just setting out a few things about this house, this church that were kind of important to us. And we've done a couple of weeks of that and uh, we wanted to, to just to remind us, this, this house, our church, is our spiritual home. It's where we grow as believers um, and it's where we want to be connected and be part of it, but it's important to kind of remind ourselves what, what we value about it, what's important, what we do here. And we've done a couple of weeks of that. The first week we looked at in this house, we have a God-given purpose and direction where God's sending us as a church, what he's trying to build here. We looked at in this house, we preach God's word vital to us and in this house we worship Jesus where I asked Matt and Phil who lead our worship team just to come and speak a bit about that in terms of our dynamic corporate worship where we sing together and that, that kind of stuff so we've looked at that last week Melanie did uh, where we looked at in this house we serve the young and in this house we're good to our community very much a priority for us is caring for the young the next generation and investing in them and teaching them, which is what's happening now in their age-appropriate meetings, but also that we are good to the community outside of us. We want to be a blessing to more than this group. We want to be something bigger outside and be good to that community. So we've looked at that. So if you missed any of them, they think, oh, I'm not familiar with that, please, they're online. You can listen to them. You can catch up. And today I'm just going to land it and finish it with the final um, part today. So I want to look at three things today about this house, um, about this church. The first one. In this house, we do life together. In this house, we do life together. Now, we have our Sunday morning meeting here that you're all a part of. Well done. We have this on uh, pretty much every Sunday, and this basically works like our front door um, to come in the church. If people want to find out a little bit about us, what are those guys like? They've just moved to the girls' school. They've got a strange name of a church. You know, who are they? They'd come here, and they'd have a look at us, and they'd see what we're like on a Sunday, and hopefully they would think we're amazing. That's good, right? Because we're friendly and kind and we love Jesus and we just wanna, we wanna want them to get to know Jesus for themselves. So that's our front door, but it's got to be more than that. We're not, we're not trying to create Sunday Christians. We don't want just more people just to come on a Sunday and get big there. We want it to be about life together and growing as a community of, G, um, of believers. If you've got your Bible, we're just going to read a little bit, hopefully frame what I'm going to say in this first section. If you go to the book of Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 2. I'm just going to read a few verses from there that talks about the early church and what they are like, and it gives us kind of a snapshot. Starting at verse 42, Acts chapter 2, verse 42, it says this. It's talking about the church. It says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came on every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. All right, what we've got there is a picture, a snapshot, you will, of the early church kind of in action. And what you look at, you see that there's lots of things we've looked at before and I'm sure we'll come back to it again and again. You can see the, church, the dynamics of the church. We've seen the preaching of God's word we've looked at. They praise God in there. But also there's this, this dynamic of they did life together. It was more than just a Sunday meeting. One of the, kind of the great travesties of Western Christianity, 
over the last kind of hundred years is almost it's devolved into this thing where we just go somewhere on a Sunday and that's it. But that's not how God intended his church to be. That's not what he wants for it. It's not what he wants for us. So we want to build something more. We want to build in a system where we can do more than that. We can do life together and we can connect and grow as a community. Now, how does that work for us as a church? What's our kind of way of approaching that and dealing with that? Well, we have what we call life groups. About They point to our name, real life, but they also talk about us doing life together. And we have life groups in the church which are kind of our vehicle for getting this thing done. How do we make this happen? Well, this is our system that we use to begin. And actually, our church began as a life group. If we clock back just over six years, when the initial team were moving up to start the church, our first life group had four people in it, because there were only four of us had moved up at the time. There was me, my wife, Melanie, and there was Joe and Anna, who were single at the time. They're now married. That was a good thing. Good part to be a part of that life group. Um, and that's how the church began, and we've grown and multiplied. On average now, we have about 10 to 12 adults in our life groups, and we do life together um, um, week by week. We have the big, which is here, Sunday, you guys, and then we have the small, where you get to know each other on a slightly more personal level and build relationships. And our life groups work in three ways. We've got a format that works. We talk about eating talking and praying. Eat, talk, pray. That's our system of how we work our life groups. So if you ever get into a life group meeting, that's what's going to happen to you. You know ahead of time what's, what's going to go on in the meeting, which is a good thing, and it always starts, I think, on a high, which is food. We eat together. Why do we do this? Every week when a life group meets, we say, start with some food. Share a simple meal together. It doesn't have to be anything flash. It doesn't have to be anything extravagant, nothing gourmet. It can just be simple food. Why do we do that? One, everyone needs to eat. Let's be honest, everyone likes eating. You know, we like food. You know, it's something we look forward to. We like eating food. Um, it's also a great way to break the ice and talk to people. If you sit down around a table, or even if you have it on your laps because there's too, not enough room or whatever, it's just a great way to start chatting and interacting with people when you're eating together. You just have those conversations. How's your day been? How's life? What's going on with you? Etc. Etc. Even if you don't know someone, you can introduce yourself and chat. So it's really important. It's a great way of getting everyone involved because if you do like a bring and share meal, you know, you bring this, you bring that, everyone gets to play their part and they get to feel part of what's happening in there. It's also a great way for people to use the gift of hospitality, which the Bible talks about. People open their homes, welcome people in, kind of coordinate it, organize it. It's just a great way to exercise that. And also, if we look in the Bible, it's a symbol of fellowship. It's one of those things that culturally, when you share food together, when you eat together, when you are together, there's that connecting and growing and learning and being a part of each other. So our life groups always start with food. We want to just build that context where it relaxes people. We've all been eaten. You don't have to think about what am I going to eat tonight. I'm going to life group. I get fed. That's good. And I've just been in life groups in this church for six years, and I can tell you all the meals have been excellent. I've loved all of them. They've all been wonderful. We don't get duff meals. We do really well, and it's a great opportunity there. Next thing. We talk to each other. Now, sometimes we talk about chatting, and chatting's good, but when I talk about talk, I'm talking about something a bit more meaningful, a bit deeper. What we want to do in life groups is create an environment where we talk about our lives, talk about how we're doing really, beyond the surface of, what's the, what's the standard English answer if I said to you, how are you doing? What would you say? <laughs> Fine. 
fine. And sometimes you are doing fine, it's just okay. But most of the time, there's a bit more to it than that. It can be really good. You don't you often get that out of an Englishman. Things are going really well, they say, yeah, it's all right. And actually, things are going brilliantly, or it can be going very badly, and stuff's going on in their life. We want to have an opportunity to talk about that. And then from that, we also want to talk about the most important thing in your life, which is your relationship with Jesus and your journey with him. And so we have a time of talking to kind of push that through. And we do that in a number of ways. We often give questions out to the group leaders and say, hey, start with these questions, get everyone to have a chat, to talk about it, to have a go answering the question, depending on the size of your group. You could all do it. You might break down in smaller groups, whatever works for you. But you ask those questions. One of my favorite ones for getting things going, which um, Melly and I learned this on our honeymoon um, way back then, we were out, um, we were honeymoon in the Cotswolds, very, saying this very lovely cottage, we went out for dinner one night, and on the spur of the moment, I thought I'll make a huge sacrifice on behalf of my, newly, my new wife of several days, and I said, let's go and watch a rom-com at the cinema, because we were in this little town and we'd had food, so there's a cinema, let's go and watch this rom-com, and if you know me, that's a sacrifice. And my wife, Julie, said, yes. And I can tell you this rom-com was neither rom or com. It was, just, it was just horrific. It was depressing. It had some Hollywood stars in it. It was Bruce Willis and Michelle Pfeiffer. And so it was like, this is going to be good. But it wasn't. It was a disaster. And it was the most miserable film ever. And when we got to the end of the film, there was us in the, the cinema, newly married couple. And there was this couple, kind of a couple of rows back, who were a lot older than us. And we got to the end, the cinema, and the bloke of the older couple goes, well, if I want anything that depressing, we could just stayed home and had an argument. <laughs> and Mel and I turned around and said, we're on our honeymoon. And we had a little bit of a laugh about it. But what we learned from that film was this question that the little family in the, in the movie would ask each other. And that was, what was your high point? What was your low point of, the, of that particular day? They'd sit around and ask it as meal. And Mel and I said, that's a great question. We're going to start doing that. So we've been doing that with each other. We've done it with our kids. Uh, we brought it into life groups because when we got back from our honeymoon, we led our first small group in the church we were a part of. Um, that was a welcome back present from the church leader. You're back. You've had your honeymoon, right? Get over it. Now you can start leading a small group. And so we introduced that, and we've used that ever since, and we encourage our group leaders. It's just a really great way that a question to ask people changes every week, gives people opportunity to share however they are, whatever level they're at in their life. We say, what's your high point, low point from the last week? And then out of that, we ask questions about how's it going with Jesus, you know, what do you need prayer for, all these other things. But we want to be able to talk to each other and share with each other and go beyond the surface. And the more you're with people in a life group, the more you get comfortable with them, the more you trust them, the more you're able to do that. How's it going? Even like the last question we set a few weeks back was, you know, how's it going beginning of the year? How are you doing reading your Bible? What do you want to set for this year? Or how are you going, you know, kind of learning with Jesus that? What do you want to do? And we had a great discussion in our group about that, set ourselves some goals. So once we've done, we've ate, we've spoken together, we've talked, then we get to the end of the evening where we're going to pray together. So this is the, the most important part, really, of the evening. You spent some time eating, so you're fed there, you've shared, you're open. Let's bring some requests to God. So we finish the evening with worship and prayer every time. And that's the kind of, for me, that's the non-negotiable. You don't ever miss that off the evening. That's what we're there for. If we don't worship and pray as a group, then the question is, what, how are we any different from any other social club in the world? What marks us different as a church is the presence of God. The world can do things so much better than us. Music, entertainment, it can just, it's, it's really good at those. What it can never match us on is God's presence. 
And if we pray and if we worship together, we're doing something that only the people of God can do. And so we worship and pray together. We often pray for one another. If requests have come up during the kind of sharing time, well, let's pray into that. It might be just general prayer. We had a guy in our last group, we had a guitar in our last meeting, and he, he led us in some singing and worship. It was a great time. Then we prayed and we prophesied and we did a whole bunch of stuff. So that's kind of how our sort of meetings, meetings work. The aim of it, if you want to sum it up in an aim, is to meet Jesus. We want to connect with each other, but we want to ultimately meet Jesus and be a people who meet Jesus. So that's what we do. And um, what then that does, if you've got a meeting that's working like that, you want that to flow out into the kind of the life that you spend together during the week. Because even if you spend a couple of hours in a life group meeting and a few hours here on a Sunday morning, you've still got most of your week. And there's stuff going on. And I know for our group, we stay connected by using WhatsApp on your phone. Everyone heard of WhatsApp? It's one of these ghastly messenger systems that just influence your life but it's really useful as well so you've got we've got a whatsapp group with our phone where people are always sharing things how things going prayer requests good news bad news and it's a great way for us to stay connected throughout the week i know our group we regularly have brunches on monday on the saturday mornings if there's no life group that week because of the prayer meeting which i'll come on to in a minute we do that together we do other things there's lots of informal sharing and serving people make requests how can we help we've helped people move houses all sorts of bits and pieces we've just been useful um, as a group about growing friendships i know the girls in our life group have a um a kind of a well they had a monthly night where they all get together and watch rom-coms again none of the guys get invited but they do and they, that's just what they do, and that's just another way of kind of doing life together, sh- sharing, serving. Um, and so that's brilliant as kind of part of it, but the life groups become our kind of vehicle for that. Currently, as a church, we have six life groups. Um, Neil and Brian leave one. Neil's there. Where's Brian? Is she? She's out with kids. So Neil and Brian lead the group. Ryan and Taz lead another group. Tracy and Ronald, I've seen Tracy and Ronald wave. Tracy and Ronald lead another group. Phil and Abby, Phil's at the back. Where's Abby? I heard her laugh. There you go. Sam and Ness, there you go. And last one, Dave and Haley. Are they here? Haley's here. No, it's just you. Is he, is he portly? Oh, oh, he's in there. Okay, fine. So we have six life groups. If any of those wave and you want to get connected, talk to those groups. They're lovely people, lots of lovely people in the groups. They used to be overseen by John and George, but with the, uh, the arrival of, early arrival of baby Eva, we basically said, take some time, get that sorted, work on that. And so we currently um, asked Jeremy and Becky, DJ, you've moved, you were there. I swear you were there. I was looking where you were. Why have you gone to the back? <laughs> we asked Jeremy and Becky DJ to help step in, oversee some of our groups, make sure they're cared for, and also Philip Colt up here has agreed to look after some of the groups as well, just to make sure that they're being cared for. Um, so there's plenty of choice. We don't mind which group you go to. Find the one that works for you on the night that works for you, that sort of fits where you are. We don't mind you shopping around. You know, life group leaders want people to join their groups. So if you shop around a bit, they can really kind of play up to you and you just check out the food. And so it's a good opportunity. Don't, you can't do it for long because we'll get wise. But if you, you want to try that, that's fine. Um, it's great. We basically cycle our life groups around. We meet two weeks on, on our evening. And then the third week, we gather together for prayer, which I'll come on to in just a moment. So they're on two weeks in meetings in the home, and in the third meeting, we all gather together for prayer. Our, kind of, our mantra as a church is actually life groups on every week. It's just that third week we all meet together as a, a big church life group when everyone comes together to pray. But if we meet every week, um, 
and we don't, and then in one week is prayer. Now, I understand evening meetings, attendance can be difficult. If you've got childcare, you work shifts, other pressures on the situation. Um, so I'm aware of that. My wife and I, we alternate going because of small children at the home. Um, and actually, so one goes one week, one goes the other. That's perfectly acceptable. But the point for us as a church is be connected to one of them. Be in one of them. As a church, we set this structure up to make sure you're looked after. And if you don't get involved in this, effectively you're opting out of our care for you. Which is kind of, is a hard thing to say, but that's the reality. If you're saying, I don't want any part of that, don't want to be part of this small group structure, we can't care for you. We can't look after you. There's no one looking out for you. There's no one checking out if you're okay. You're effectively on your own, which is a dangerous place to be as a believer. And you effectively exist as a, a Sunday attending Christian, which is never a good thing. I remember in my previous church, there was one of the elders there who'd been involved in research and caring for people as one of our counsellors and he said to me one, one thing, thing once that I'd never left me he said Stuart if because um, I was responsible for the life groups at the time and he came to me and said look if someone comes into the church and they don't connect, get connected to a smaller context within six weeks they will start to feel lonely and drift away that's what the research shows people have done research check churches all different sizes so basically if people come in within a really short period of time don't get connected into a place where they can actually know people and know names and start showing life together, they will start to drift basically back out the door the way they come in. It happens that fast. And so if you're new to us and you've been around and you haven't got connected to it, we, we want to make sure you're looked after. We love you. We're for you. We want to see you grow in your walk with Jesus, but we need you to get connected to help you do it. There's loads of people who want to get to know you, who love you, um, so please do that. Right, so that's doing life together. Next one. In this house, we pray in this house we pray now life groups meet every week on the third week um, we meet together to pray uh, and we did that just this Tuesday so there was no sort of meetings during the week but we met uh, together to pray and if you go back to that, that verse I just read it says they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching preaching that's brilliant and the fellowship breaking of bread and then what prayers prayers we talk about prayers and so we believe a church prayer is absolutely vital to us as a church kind of corporate but also as us as individuals believers that's what we do prayer expresses our dependence on God and as believers we believe God has saved us he's filled us with his spirit we are totally dependent on him and an expression of that is prayer a prayerless Christian is not an option. It's not what we're designed to do, to be out of communication with our Father in heaven. We need to be a praying people. And we don't do it because we have to. It's we do it because we want to. It's because there's a desire in our heart. The Spirit of God has put that in us, that we cry out, Abba, Father, that we want to be praying people. It's like being married. You don't have to talk to your wife. You get to talk to your wife. You get to be with them. You get to have fun with them. You get to enjoy their company there's benefits from being married. It's the same with being a Christian. There are benefits of that. And we, we ask, um, as believers, we've got a charge of our own personal walk with Jesus. We should be a praying people. We pray regularly, daily, to our Father in heaven, but also as a corporate gathering, as a church, you want to express that and pray regularly as well. The Bible says a few things about prayer that should kind of stir us. It says we are to be steadfast in prayer in Colossians. It says we are to be constant in prayer in Romans. It says we are to pray without ceasing 
in Timothy and Thessalonians. It says we are to pray at all times in Ephesians. It says we should be earnest in prayer in Thessalonians. We should be devoted to prayer in this bit here in Acts. We are urged to pray in 1 Timothy and we are to strive in prayer in Romans 15. All those things, so there is an energy and an activity about prayer. It's, something, it's not something you can be passive about. Last night, I was at the climbing wall with the guys. I saw lots of striving. I knew what it looked like as men clung to the wall, sweat pouring. They weren't going to give up till they hit the next rung up the thing. There's some pictures on our Facebook page, which I saw before, which have been uploaded, of guys like this, clambering, striving, they look very good. Be in, look at them and be impressed at our men. You know, they are strong and mighty. But this whole idea of striving and giving yourself something, I mean, that's how we should be about prayer. That should be our attitude, that same kind of energy that we give to it, our focus. We should be like that as a church, as a believers. If you read through the rest of the books of Acts, I read something just from the beginning. I found, I reckon, there was 31 references to prayer through the book of Acts. Maybe more, but I think I found 31 different references. And we've learned a bunch of things about the early church and how they treated prayer. And there are four things I found out uh, from that. The church prayed habitually. They prayed habitually. We see images of the whole church praying. We see things when the apostles pray together. We see them praying about leadership. There's a bit where it talks about Peter and Paul, two of the early church leaders, and it remarks that they were praying. It was their regular habit to go to pray at the temple or at home. We even talk about Cornelius, who was brought into the church. He was a regular prayer as well. It talks about the women who prayed. If you read through the book of Acts, actual prayers are written down for us to read and learn from. So we see this habit of the early church that they would just pray it's just what they did throughout that early history which spans many many years prayer was something that was part of who they are we see also they prayed for a whole bunch of different things different many things they prayed for they prayed for their leaders they pray for the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. They pray for, for sinners to come to repentance. They pray for kind of sending people out and for missionaries to other countries, other cities to start new works. They pray for them. They pray for physical safety. When they were in danger, they also prayed for healing. So there was a whole kind of variety into what they prayed about um, in the church. We also see they prayed in response to specific situations. There were times of crisis when stuff was coming on the church, persecution and the like, and they would respond in prayer to God. We pray when they were making decisions about establishing leaders. Who do we appoint as leadership? Who's going to take this next thing on? They would pray. They would pray while repenting. When they realized, oh, they've done something wrong, they would pray in response. And even when they were saying goodbye and they were sending people, they would always be prayerful in what they were doing. And then the, finally, the fourth thing is that things happened when they prayed, which is a good thing. Things happens. First thing, what happened right at the beginning of the book of Acts? The church were praying and the Holy Spirit fell. Pentecost. All filled with the Holy Spirit. We see it when they prayed later in Acts 4 that there was a massive evangelism. They prayed and then people went out, preached the good news of Jesus. People got saved. There's a prayer for when someone um, died and they prayed for them uh, for healing. We saw uh, pray for when people um, got put in prison through the persecution and prayer for just general healing. They prayed for the sick and they got better. So there was a massive variety to what they did um, in terms of praying at the early church. And if we read through our Bibles, we find prayer coming up again and again on the heart of God for his people, that the people will be talking to him, communicating with him. We go to the, the prophets in Isaiah, and it says in Isaiah 62, On your walls, O Jerusalem, I have set watchmen 
all the day and all the night, and they shall never be silent. God appoints people to come and bother him. That is the heart of God. He's appointed men and women that would come and talk to him. There would be those watchmen on the walls, and they're never silent. They're always talking to their God. They're always praying. They're always interceding. They're always pushing into him um, for the things on his heart to learn more about him. We see in James 4, he simply says, You do not have because you do not ask. You do not have because you do not ask. What a challenge that is in prayer. Have you ever wondered why God hasn't done something in your life? Well, James would say, have you been asking? That would be the first question. Have you asked? That's what he says. We need to be men and women who ask of our Father in heaven. And Luke, line, uh, Luke 11 says this, And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and those who seeks find. And the one who knocks it will be opened. Prayer changes things. Prayer changes. I've seen that time and time again. My life, church's life, people's life. People pray, God acts, things change, which is just wonderful. But I've been struck as I've got older, and the more I've kind of learned about this and the journey I've gone, one of the things I think the most important thing that prayer changes is you. When I pray, it changes me. When I gather to pray with other believers, in our small group or in a corporate sort of church prayer meeting, I'm the one who's transformed. My faith rises. My vision of Jesus sharpens. My awareness of what he's doing in this world kind of grows. Even my own frailties and my own sin is highlighted, so I need to deal with that and repent. Prayer has got so many things to help us as believers. It has a transformative effect. And we run church at prayer um, as, as the church. Every third week, we have this rolling cycle, two weeks of our life group. The third week, we gather together to pray together uh, more and more. And it is vital to what we are as a church. It shapes us as a church. We were praying just this Tuesday. A bunch of us were in our house praying. And we prayed, and God spoke. And it was brilliant. We prayed about this year. We prayed about what God would do. We prayed for some of the other churches. We prayed for what was happening kind of with us and the direction he was taking and for us, it's the, I, I see it as the engine room of the church. Think about your car. Car's great, got seats, steering wheel, lots of bits and pieces, but without the engine, it's just a pretty lump of metal. That's all it is. It needs the engine to be functioning for it to drive the wheels to move forward. And for us, prayer is that engine that drives us for us as a church, and we need to be a praying people. It's going to shape us. And when we gather to pray, we just, you know, pray for all kinds of things. We pray for all our events that's coming up. We pray for peoples, our teams, things in the church, things outside the church, those who serve in the kids and on the band and our life group leaders. We pray for all of those things. And we're going to continue to do that and just press into God. And he spoke to us and shaped us as a people through it. And we love it. And, it's, and I would encourage you. As much as I want you to get connected into one of our small group contests, get to the prayer meeting as much as you can. I'm aware it's not always easy you know, for, um, you know, for childcare and stuff, but make an opportunity. I even heard about one couple in the church who, used to argue, who argue about who goes to the prayer meeting. That's how good it is. My turn. No, it's my turn. No, it's my turn. Um, but they want to come. They want to be a part of it. Particularly if you're in an area of leadership and responsibility, it's vital that you're there, that you're kind of leading people and you're, you're hearing from God for yourself. So that is that one. All right, last one. In this house, we play our part. In this house, we play our part. Everyone's to be involved. 
no passengers. Everyone is contributing to what it is. We want to make my house our house. This church is our home, so we all have a vested interest in helping it move forward. So we all have parts to play. How does this work? Well, we've mentioned Sundays coming on Sundays. We've mentioned life group and prayer. Get involved. Get it part of the community. Just be around us. You want to be part of this church? Play your part. Just come and, and, and be here and just add to what we're doing. It's vital for us kind of to be in the fullness of what God wants is that you're here and, and pushing forward with the rest of us. On top of that, though, one of the great ways to help us all work is serving. Christ was the ultimate servant. He served us by coming and dying and rising again. And we, in response to that, we serve one another. We serve him by serving one another. That's what we're to do. We're to be those people who serve. And making this kind of thing that you can see work requires so many people serving and playing their part. We have people who serve formally in all our kind of teams. So if we go through our teams, we've got our... Um, kids teams and youth teams and music teams and AV and PA teams and setup teams um, and our life group leaders and all that and so we have formal teams that basically help everything that you can see happen none of this stuff happens by magic I wish it did but it doesn't people are here early in the morning getting things set up your life group leaders are already thinking about what's happening this week how what are we going to do how are we getting things sorted people are serving all the way so there's many formal um, teams but also there's basically people serving this church uh, informally in a myriad of ways there are so many times when I hear about people serving one another caring for one another doing things practical stuff providing meals and just being around being a listening ear praying for people offering advice on skills they may have to serve one another and it is an absolutely beautiful thing and this church wouldn't kind of be what it is without men and women doing that so I just want to say as your pastor I'm thrilled that you are a serving church it's great to sort of just to, to hear these stories and I never get to hear all of them because there's just too many of them and I don't get to hear all the stories but it's wonderful being part of of, of, of a community that does that but we are men and women who serve and play our part if you are not involved in something and you feel 2017 is that beginning of a new year. I want to kind of get stuck in to real life church. Please come and grab one of the leaders. Say, this is where I want to serve. Go and grab one of the team leaders for those things that I want to get involved. They will pull your arm off. They will kiss you and hug you and say, please come and help us make this whole thing work. They will love that. So please, if that's God's prompting you about, get on with that. Uh, the next thing is giving. Financially, I give regular updates on our financial situation. I haven't done the one for the end of this year, but basically it's good. But I'll give you a more formal one on how things are going financially. But as a church, we don't receive any money from anywhere. The only money that causes everything to run this church is given by you. Um, and you are a generous people and we love that. And you make everything run. The bills, the lights, the websites, the flyers, the kit that we need, everything is kind of paid for by you. And I want to thank you for that. If you are not financially giving here and you want to, please come um, and talk to myself. I want a director, Charlotte, sitting down here. Um, one of our financial directors, they will pull your arm off and, and help you know how to get um, plugged in in that where um, in that place um, the standard kind of biblical thing is that we are to give regularly we are to give sacrificially a tithe is a good place to kind of start on that but if that kind of if you're new to this you think what on earth does that mean 10% of my income to give um, then start somewhere just start somewhere it's an, uh, giving is an act of faith in God it says one this isn't my money it's all yours 
And two, whatever I give away, you're going to provide for my needs, Lord. And it's an act of trust and it's an act of faith. And we're called as men and women and followers to do that. And if you're part of this church, you'll be here. If you're part of another church, you give to your local body where you are, where you call home. And that's what you're to do there. So if you've got any more questions, that I'm planning on doing a, a series on money um, very soon. But that'll be after we've finished Hebrews. So there'll be more of that there. But if you've got any questions on that, please come and talk to me afterwards. And the last one is um, I Am Real Life Church. We... Um, we, when we start the church, we thought, how are we going to do kind of joining and membership? How are people going to say, You're, we're part of this? Many churches do it in many ways. They have joining courses or vision and values meetings or connections things. They call it all sorts of stuff. And we, um, we thought and prayed and said, mm, Lord, what, how does it work for us here um, at Real Life Church? And I felt God prompt me with this whole idea of actually, who is the church? Well, the church is us. It's the people. And actually, we all need to be able to say and stand up and say, I'm part of this church. It's a personal decision. And so we came up with this idea of calling our joining stuff, I Am Real Life Church. And the goal of it, the aim of it was, if you come along and you, find, you think, this is my place, this is where I want to be a part of, this is where I want to connect, that you'll be able to stand up and say, I Am Real Life Church. I'm part of this, I'm going with you, I'm going with where you're going and where you're joining. So we run an evening. I'll put the date out this week um, for the next one, that if you're new to us and you haven't been through that, you come, you spend an evening with me, we just go through some stuff of the church, our vision, our values, you get to ask any questions, um, how we work um, on all sorts of stuff, and at the end of it, you get to make an informed decision about, is this the church that I want to be a part of? Am I going where you're going? And if you do, you get to stand and say, I am Real Life Church. And then what we do is we invite you up here. We've never done it in this building, so I don't know if we're going to put you on the stage or down there, but it'll be somewhere up here. And you get to stand up here and say your name and say, my name's Stuart and I am Real Life Church. And then everyone who's already said that whoops and hollers and claps and it's a fantastic moment. Hands up if you've done I am Real Life Church and already said it. Yeah, fantastic. And we've got some people lined up um, ready to go for the next one. So that'll be excellent. So if you want to get involved in that, you haven't done that, please come um, to the next one. I'll put the date out and that kind of is your way of connecting and saying I'm part of this. I want to go forward. All right, we're going to round out there. It's time to finish. My throat's getting a bit croaky as well. So, do you want to stand up? All right, do you want to just close your eyes? I'm just going to pray and then I'm going to hand over to Phil and the band who are going to lead us in a time um, sort of, of worship and response to Jesus, whatever he wants to do um, until we finish. The whole point of us doing this series and kind of rolling these things out again it was to remind us what God's called us to as a people. Many of the things we've talked about should be uniform across churches. We've just given them our kind of particular flavor. This is how we do it in this house but actually, this is what God has called us to as a people of God. Ultimately, it's about him. Ultimately, it's about worshipping him. But as we do life here, in the meantime, we've got something, we've got a mission that we are about. We've got a job to do. We've got a kingdom that is coming that we are to be part of. We are to work with diligence and grace in that until one day either we die or Jesus comes again, whichever happens first. And where is people to do that? And so hopefully through this process, you've just been reminded about church. You've been reminded about this is why we're doing what we're doing. This is where we're going. This is what God has called 
me too as part of his wider church and his kingdom and his community. And so if you feel that kind of resonance, I'm just going to pray for you that you've made this place your home. And we are thrilled with that and we love having you here. And I'm going to pray for the Spirit of God to come and kind of seal that in your heart as as you begin this year. 2017 is kind of in, we're rolling, long way to go before we get to 2018. And God has great plans for you and for us as a people. But those plans mean being part of His people in an active way. Not in a passive or just way, no, actually being part of his community, connected in week by week, day by day, saying, I am part of something bigger. I'm part of the family of God, of God's people that are moving forward in this nation, in this town, in your homes, in your workplaces, whatever it is. If you know there's that sense of, I'm just going to pray for you. Maybe you want to open your hands. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you that you saved us, Lord. I want to thank you that this whole church thing begins and ends in you. This was your idea. This was your plan for us. This is, this is all about you, Lord Jesus. And I want to thank you for the privilege of being caught up into that, into great heavenly eternal purposes. Even as we go about life here on earth, kind of in the mundane and the ordinary, and just going to work and family and, and, and stuff, Lord, we are caught up into the eternal purposes of God. And Lord, and I thank you and I praise you for that. And I thank you for what you've called us to as a church, what you've given to us as a people on how we're to do it here and now. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the the deposit you've put in us um, as a people. Lord, and I pray, Spirit of God, you would come fill us. You would sharpen our vision of you. You would cause us to be men and women who are worshippers of you, first and foremost who worship you in all areas of life, in our work, in our home, in our friendship, in our social time, worshiping the good times and the the tough times as well. Lord Jesus, we want to say we love you, we praise you. We want to say build your kingdom in this place. Continue to grow us, to multiply us, grow us in depth of knowledge of you, grow us in insight, grow us in in intimacy and worship, grow us numerically, Lord, as men and women come to know you for themselves. Lord Jesus, we want to say we love you and we praise you. And God's people said, Amen.